Okay, so just a heads up, there was no music playing. Well, double heads up. As you were talking, I could hear the music. Also, can you hear me right now? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, super weird, because I didn't press the mic button. Like, you started talking, and I could still hear the music, and then all of a sudden the music stopped and my mic was on. What? I'm going to bring Shashi up here since since he's here. Shashi, what's going on, man? Nothing much. Just living the dream. Shashi, Shashi's <laughs> coming in with the punctuality. I love it. Yeah, you know, he actually texted me and said 20 minutes. He's he's actually at 19 minutes. That is that is fire. Oh, I try right not to there. be late to anything, man. I try to not be late. <laughs> oh, I can appreciate punctuality. I'm a hugely punctual person myself. It's something I'm it's a point of pride for me. So I respect that from you. It's like whenever you like are planning on being somewhere and you don't use like maps to like use the exact time but you pull up like within a minute isn't it like the greatest feeling so i i actually had a doctor's appointment this morning which jacob you know and it was at 7 45 a.m and my map was telling me i was going to get there at 7 39 and i was like okay this is cutting it a little close for me i don't love this but i got there it's 7 40 and it was perfect and that was with an accident. It was an accident I had to contend with. So I did pretty good. All right. Well, it is 12.50. Just uh, let me know when you are ready for intro, and we will go from there. Buddy, let's do it. Shashi, buckle up. We're starting the tech commute. Let's go. I still feel like I need the wit, 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 but we'll get to that later. All right. We, we got to work on that soundboard. <laughs> Go ahead, Jacob. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Tech Commute, the, tweet, the Twitter X space where we all learn together, celebrate achievements, and talk to some of the most incredible people like Shashi in tech on the planet. We have live spaces Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 3.50 Eastern Standard Time. Mondays are our tech topic, consisting of a theme and a guest. Wednesdays, we have I'm a Dev, Ask Me Anything like today, uh, where you can bring your questions for an experienced developer and potentially get some help with what you're, uh, what you're needing. And on Fridays, we celebrate our wins for the week. So come on in. Uh, we tell what we've done through the week and we, you know, we cheer each other on and, and, and hear the great things we've done through the week, the accomplishments we made, and go into the weekend happy and strong, passing good vibes to everybody. All right. Now the moment you've all been waiting for, everybody. Let's do the drum roll. Brrr, dim the lights. Spotlight hits hits uh, Shashi on uh, stage right. And then I say, Ow. I'd like to welcome to the show, brrr, wait, 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 senior UX engineer at Microsoft, husband, father of four, and passionately, passionately adamant about no pineapples on pizza, Mr. Shashi Low, enter the wait, 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 ever those explosions, fireworks, um, Everybody, my name is Jacob Ashley, and of course, let's not forget our host with the most, my dear friend, the most amazing, the incredible, Jason Torres. Over to you, Jason. Holy cow. We still need to get that Bulls intro music because uh, we're just, we're lacking that right there. At that moment, you cannot tell me that that hat in Shashi's profile picture would not have flown off of his gosh darn head 
if you came in with Probably that beat. It would exactly. Oh my god. I'm so I'm super excited to have Shashi here today. Uh I actually listened to Janide's podcast with you twice. Uh, because I found your story so compelling and it really resonated with me because just the way that you're approaching just your your whole tech career very much is similar to how I'm doing it. So I think that that's why I was really excited to get you in here because outside of the questions, I already heard you answer that Janiah had asked you. We got plenty more. So I hope you're ready and welcome everybody to the space. We'll do some Q&A with him and then we'll open it up to the listeners. Um, but yeah, that's welcome. Welcome, welcome, Shashi. Great to have you here. Could you maybe here? Here's my first question right out of the gate here. Can you break down what a senior UX engineer is at Microsoft? What is your what is your job entail? Yeah, sure. Um, senior UX, uh, pretty much what I do is I bridge the gap between design and development. Uh, we there's certain departments within Microsoft that do it better. We're still getting there in our organization. I'm leading that charge. Um, but pretty much we handle everything on the front end. Everything functional, everything design-wise, every implementation. Um, uh, right now, uh, I'm putting a process together where we as the front end team, which is the UX team, can communicate with the project uh, managers and design and bounce between them and have a partnership between them. Um, because as you know, a feature, when you have a feature, it has to go through all parties and Right now, we're, there's a gap. Uh, we have project managers, they have it, goes to the design, comes to development, we get it done, we get it out. Right, pretty quick and simple. But the pro- problem is that we're not including development ahead of time to not cut corners, but to implement and have ideas for features that maybe design and project managers are not considering. And at the end, we need to include design because design is important. They came up with the design. They want to ensure that it is implemented accurately and it has a good user experience. So there's a lot of that involved, but um, I'll wait for more questions. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I, I personally listened to the podcast too, and it was it was so inspiring to me because I love design so much and I have a, a little bit of a graphic design background. Uh, and now that I'm getting into development and coding, I was like trying like, cause there's so many different fields you can go down. There's so many, but to hear your story, it kind of stuck with me because I was like, that's like the best of both worlds to be able to like use stuff that you know in design and be able to code and be able to like figure stuff out from there. Um, can you share your background um, on how you initially got interested in tech and design uh, and UX design together? Yeah. Um, so coming out of high school, I knew that I really wanted to be a web developer or designer. Like I knew it. I love the web. I love building forms and websites and stuff like that. Um, so I took that and I went to an art school that offered a web development, web design degree. Um, I did, I'm not the greatest artist, okay? I suck. But I can build and construct nice websites. And so by doing that, um, I kind of was like, you know what? I'm going to become a designer. But not until I got to, um, I think, my first or second job where I did it all. 
I design, I develop, I project manage, all of that stuff. I was like, okay, this is really cool, right? Um, but then this job was like, no, you're only a developer. And I was like, wait, what? You're only taking designs and implementing them into themes, and then that's it. You're going to work with um, one of our designers to do that. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And so I realized that, you know what? I'm not the greatest designer. I understand the design principles and everything. And also by being a developer, by being able to uh, set and br bridge that gap, not a lot of people have that. Not a lot of companies had a person that wanted to do that. And it's a key part because... If you look at a lot of products and applications out there, you can tell the ones that care about the UX and the ones that don't, right? To be honest, a lot of developers, they suck at design. They just completely suck. And it takes somebody to care about it, to call it out, and to want to uh, implement it at a, at a pixel-perfect level from where the design was conceived and, and all of that, right? So that's kind of where I came in and I said, I didn't, I didn't know that this was a role. Like, to be honest, this is back in 2006. The only role was, uh, like, it was just a developer. There was no front end, no back end, nothing. But I was a front end designer, front end developer, web developer, designer, all of that, all in one. Um, that pretty much encompasses what a UX engineer is today. And I, I, I just had a passion to continue to, um, stay within the design realm, but being able to build something, construct something in code, um, I knew that that skill was going to become uh, very beneficial. And so I continue to move forward that route. I think it's interesting that you pointed out that maybe the design aspect or the, the artistic side wasn't one of your strong suits, but you were still able to sort of bridge the gap there with your other abilities. I think sometimes people will look at specific roles and kind of count themselves out because of one feature like that, because it tends to be a primary focus. So I think that that's, that's awesome. And as far as evolving your career and getting into that position, I know based on listening to the podcast, one of the first roles that you got was with a real estate company that you met at a uh, share, like a co-op space, correct? Which one was that? Can you remind me? <laughs> I, I don't remember the name specifically, but oh you were gosh. talking about when you were you were freelancing and you were in some sort of a co-op office type setting and oh, yes, a company yes, approached yes. you. And I wanted to ask like what that process was and then how did that transition to where you are now? Like how does that evolve? Yeah, so this was when I went freelance and it was a co-working space in downtown Minneapolis called Coco. It's still there. I love that place. Um, I went there to just kind of freelance and uh, get my career going. And, um, you know, um, it, it allowed me to network with other people that were independent or were contracting and, and all of that. Uh, it really propelled me because I met an individual there that really set me straight. I was doing everything and I didn't really have a focus. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to be a developer. I'm going to be a designer. I'm going to wear all these hats and be, I'm going to get into SEO. Why? Because I just want to do it so I can learn the whole stack, right? And that was a mistake because there's so much to learn. Um, <sighs> this individual came up to me and he was really straight. He said, you know, you're really talented, but 
you're focused on too many things. And I was like, what are you talking about? He said, well, here's the thing, right? If, you be, if you're a specialist and you specialize in one role, you can go further in that world. But if you're still learning everything, you're going to spread yourself too thin and not many people are going to want you because you, you, you're not a specialist in something. As you get further in your career, people are going to look at to hire you for your specialty. And if you have a bonus on the side where you can do something else, great. But what is your specialty? What is the role that you're really excellent at? Because that is going to define you, who you are and what, where your career is going to go. You can learn all this other stuff, data science, um, AI, all that on the side or whatever it is. But what is your specialty? Because once you get to, you know, once you find that specialty and go down that path and become, um, you know, just an expert in that area, people are going to notice that. And when you interview and stuff, they, they can see it uh, come out of you. Oh, I didn't realize Jacob dropped down. Uh, let me get him back up here. Sorry about that, Shashi. Let's pull him back up. I think uh, Saran mentioned on Monday, too, the, the importance of kind of focusing on one thing and really dialing that in. What ultimately did you decide to focus on? Like, what did you specialize in? Yeah, so my specialty became front-end development. Um, really just like I spoke earlier is bridging that gap between development and design, being able to implement designs um, in a pixel perfect manner and being able to communicate with product and design and help educate them. Um, I felt like, you know, I should not be a designer anymore. I shouldn't learn <laughs> SEO anymore. I have a, I have a good understanding of it, but like, I shouldn't become an expert at it, right? Uh, what I'm going to do is, you know, build more, focus more on these technologies on the front end. How can I learn CSS better with all these JavaScript uh, frameworks that are coming out? Should I dive into them and gain an understanding of them because that's where front end is going? Um, there were certain things that I had to let go so that I could focus more on this role. And by doing that, it really helped me excel and propel my career Without that, I, I don't know where I'd be at. Like, um, with that, I would say this. With that single connection, he helped me get the next two or three jobs by his network and by his referral. And that allowed me to continue to progress my career further and further and further. So without that connection and um, being – even the first step for me was – to go to that co-working space because for me, you know, I'm not a, I don't know, I guess I'm an uh, extrovert now, but I used to be an introvert, whatever. I'm something, I'm something in between, but I'm not someone to go to a random place and just be like, Hey, I'm going to come here and co-work because this is cool. I was like, this is weird. Like meeting random people and new people. I took that first step to be like, Hey, you know what? If I'm going to do this, I need to get out there and meet more people like me. And I signed up for a membership, went there, co-worked, uh, intentionally talked to some people, went to some events, and then uh, those networking connections started to happen. Jacob, is your audio working again, buddy? No, oh, I think we lost Jacob. All right. Well, wait. Are you there? 
Oh my goodness, that's oh, just stupid you and me. X. It's just you and me, buddy. Well, it's just you and I, think me. It's in, I think it's interesting that you kind of talked about the networking because I feel like a lot of people do have that that one story, right? Where they they connected with someone and it just put all of these pieces in place. Um, and I know that you, in a lot of your videos that you do post, you speak to that. A lot of your posts also just refer to the power of networking and building community and stuff. What outside of that one connection from the um, the co-work space, what other things were you doing at that time to work on the networking and stuff? Was that even something you were considering? You know, it was not something I was considering. Um, it just kind of naturally happened. Um, I didn't go to meetups um, because I had time. Right. When you're doing a day to day job, you don't have time for this unless if it's intentional or you're like, you know what? I'll go to that meetup, you know, like I really want to go there because they're talking about a topic that I'm interested in. Um, for me, it was just being able to talk to the people that I'm working with and connecting with them and reconnecting with them. Um, and then there was always like a little conference in town, right, that I would go to. I wouldn't go there intentionally to network, but the people that I had gained a relationship with at the co-working space started introducing me to other people. And so that's where my network kind of grew. And before I even moved to Austin, Texas, uh, like three years ago, I felt like my network in Minneapolis, Minnesota was really good. Like I knew majority of the companies in town, uh, which ones were good, which ones were bad, uh, which ones, you know, kind of did what or whatnot. It wasn't a huge city, but it was a big enough city to where, um, you know, you had to know some people to know some people. And I felt like my network had grown to where somebody asked me if they were interviewing for a company, I'd be like, oh, yeah, like, that's that's a good one. Or actually, you should stay away from that one. Like, that's not, a, you know, it's not ran by good people and, and all of that. So it became something that um, I just kind of grew naturally. I didn't seek it out, but that also made me realize that how important it was because these network connections, um, they were getting me jobs. When you freelance or when you're looking for another job, the best way to get in is to ask your network. So, Shashi, how did networking like help you? Did it help you get into Microsoft per se, or was that all kind of you, or was it balanced? Um, Microsoft itself, I had a referral, but I don't know if it helps that much because when you interview with the team, they don't know your referral, right? They like, I think from my end, the networking did not help because, um, the, my manager saw my, uh, um, application and actually replied to me right away on LinkedIn. So I don't know if the referral helped for Microsoft, but I can say that my other jobs, um, they 100%, my network really helped out. I noticed that um, in your in your bio in on your on your X space, you had mentioned that your X Adobe, obviously that that came before Microsoft, and you didn't really delve into it too much on the podcast. What was like the like the mini mini story on that, like from you? networking to getting to adobe and like obviously going to microsoft yeah it, this is like I, I mean i have a story for everything dude <laughs> but adobe was very interesting when people say that linkedin doesn't work 
like cold emails and cold messages, I'll tell you what, it works. Because the reason why I got the job at Adobe was because of LinkedIn. My uh, resume on there is like filled out. It's like tons of words, keywords, and all that stuff, right? And the recruiter found me through that. And he reached out to me through LinkedIn and, you know, did his spiel. And I was like, oh, it's Adobe. I'll listen. And that's how I got the job. It wasn't referral or anything. It was actually because of me updating my LinkedIn and all the things I'm doing on there. They were able to find me through that. And then I guess kind of going back into where where we were at Microsoft, like what kind of like tools did you have to start kind of getting used to when you were going into Microsoft? Like, do they, do they require you to like know specific tools that you already knew or did that, was that something that like um, you had to learn once you got the job there? Like, was it Figma? Was it specific programs? Yeah, I had to learn windows. I haven't touched a windows machine in like 20 years. (laughs) For real, no joke. Like I've been on Mac forever and I, I had to learn, you know, my shortcuts. I'm like, oh, damn, like, I'm going to be inefficient. But, you know, it's fine. But uh, obviously, there's other tools like Teams, right? I'm used to, I was using, using Slack and, and uh, HipChat. And Teams is a little bit different. Uh, do I like it? I don't, I don't know. It's, it's all right. <laughs> it's, but other than that, um, the technologies and the programs that we use, like, it's all pretty similar. You just have to learn it. Um, you know, I, I already use VS Code, um, Figma, we already use Figma, um, like Jira, like we don't use Jira, we use Azure DevOps, which is very similar to what Jira is. So yeah, there are some things that it's going to take time. The biggest hurdle was the acronyms, the naming conventions. Clark probably knows, like Clark's been in Microsoft for a while, like, like, like ACM, what is that? They keep saying like, oh, uh, it's the ICM, it's the ACM thing. You hear this and this and that. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? This is like a foreign language. I don't, I don't understand any of this. It took me time to onboard and figure out like what these people were talking about. When they were asking me questions, I'm like, um, I, I, I'm sorry, but I need to go and like educate myself on you know, what, what this is because I really don't know. And then once you catch on, like the first six months, I caught on. I, I knew everything. And then they brought on a new project. And they're like, oh, yeah. And now you're going to have to go work with the UP API team and, and do this and that. I'm like, who's that? Like, who? <laughs> like, what do I do? So I had to relearn again, right? And relearn the process and relearn all this stuff. So with a big corp, I can tell you there's a, there's a lot of process in place, a lot of lingo that you have to learn. And all of that, on top of the technologies that you don't know already, like hopefully you can onboard quickly, but that stuff took me more time to grasp than anything. Yeah, you're going to run into a lot of the proprietary information there that is just standard in a specific place. So I can understand there's probably a learning curve there, which kind of goes into one of the things that you had said in the podcast that I, I wrote down specifically because I really liked the way you had worded it. And I'm hoping you can kind of elaborate on it. You had mentioned build, fail, learn, repeat. And I really liked the way you had said that. So I'm hoping you might be able to elaborate on what that means to you and and how that sort of works with what you were just talking about. Yeah, uh, 100%. Um, This is a motto that I go by. And every time people ask me, um, 
how I, I can get better. I always say that, right? Build. You first. You got to do it. You got to build. Because there is no perfection. You don't know what you're building yet. Even though you have knowledge of it, um, you don't know the outcome of it. You just need to start. And then you're going to fail because it's natural. You're not going to do anything perfect right away. You're, you're going to continuously learn. And then uh, once you fail, you learn from that failure so that you don't fail again. And then you do it all over again, right? It's a repeated cycle. Build, fail, learn. Because the more you build, the more you'll learn because of the failures that you'll have. And then you're going to find success after that too, right? You're going you're gonna to find success and you continue to learn. But before you can even learn, you have to fail. Um, it's just like anything. We only know as much as we know until we start to expand our knowledge and grasp things and explore other things, uh, you know, areas. Until then, we won't know what's out there. Our perfection point of view is so tiny until we get into things and, and, and expunge it and, and just like get our hands wet and all this stuff. And I bet you anything and every developer, once you go back, even after a month or two, to the code that you've built, you're going to be like, oh, this is crap. You know, I've learned so much since then because you continue to build and build and build and fail and learn along the way. I mean, obviously failing is a super important part to the whole component of just learning anything or growing as a person. Um, can you speak to constructive criticism and how that perhaps works in that whole process. I know you had talked about people will show you portfolios or resumes and there's obviously yeah. nuances to it. Yeah. Um, I think that we're sort of in a, a little bit of a coddle culture these days. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to, you have to be hurtful with the criticism. There's certainly ways to go about it and going into that build, learn, build, fail, learn, yeah. repeat. It, it's kind of a big part. Yep, it's a huge part of your growth, right? Is to be able to accept constructive criticism. Obviously, like you said, it has to come out, you know, well. It can't just be like a stomp on everything. But constructive criticism is key. And that is kind of one reason why I was more adamantly active on Twitter. I kept seeing people be just very positive and, and that's all great. Like, of course you need a positive community and all that stuff. But when they post up like their projects or something and they're like, Hey, can I get a review on this? They're like, Oh, great job. Great job. Good job. Like looks great. And for me, I'm like, that looks like crap. <laughs> like who's going to tell you who's going to tell me that looks like shit. Like somebody's got to tell you. Right. And so I've always, I've not always been an, an honest person, but I'm pretty, I'm a pretty honest person. I will tell you, I'll be like, hey, you know what? Great job, but you know these things can improve, and as long as you're willing and, and open to this feedback, I will give it to you. But if you're not totally cool, you can go about your pat in the back and move on with your life. But just telling you, you know, instant feedback is better than not receiving any at all. And so, <laughs> the portfolios that I've seen, and I used to do portfolio review Fridays. I might bring it back. It takes a lot of time, but I always predicate that I'm going to give you honest, actionable, constructive criticism. The reason why is because um, I've seen a lot of posts that do it, but then they're like, oh, yeah, um, this doesn't look good or whatever, but it looks great after all. It's a great job, right? But for me, I'm like, if your profile sucks, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to say, hey, yo, like, go use a template. 
I'm not going to waste your time and tell you to keep going because this does not look like an industry standard design. Like, quit wasting your time on this. Instead, go get a template and use your time to build projects because a lot of developers, we are not designers, right? Um, I'm not saying that I'm a good designer. I'm, I'm a decent designer, but I don't design. Like, I'd rather focus my work on implementations, on technologies, on how to get that design to work and be implemented properly, efficiently, and maintainable in my application, opposed to designing things because just because I can. Like, let's leave that to the experts, right? The experts that um, understand the design philosophies and understand everything. You can have that mindset, like what Jacob was saying. To have that background helps because then you can help bridge that gap for your other developers, for your project managers, and all of that, while allowing the designer to do their own job and do their job well, you can do your job and do it well as well. I, I love that you brought that up too because it's, it's super important to to know what your strengths are. I think that that is growing as a person. So if you can identify that maybe something isn't your strength and you know that you have people that can do it, being aware of that and allocating those resources appropriately, again, is like a really good strength. Plus, it shows really good time management and efficiency skills. So uh, I love that. How has in your role at Microsoft, as far as for management on your side, how do they handle as far as giving you criticism as far as your career path right now? Oh, man, it's it's great. Um, it's, um, they, my management, my managers and skip manager, um, they're fantastic. They allow me to be me. Um, but the best thing that I've learned from them is they allow me to think cognitively. When we go into our one-on-ones, they don't ask me, hey, what's wrong? Or they don't pinpoint like what things are going wrong or well, right? This is what they say to me. What's going on? What's on your mind? Right? <laughs> it allows me to just tell them what, exactly what's on my head. And, and then after that, they say, okay, like anything else? And, <laughs> and I just keep going. I'm like, huh, interesting. But aside from that is when we do code reviews or like review stuff, they don't, they don't give me, like they don't give us answers. Like they, they don't say, oh yeah, um, go choose this uh, library instead or whatever. They ask a question. They say, hey, which one of these libraries is going to be the easiest to implement? Or which one of these um, components is going to be the one that takes us the least time? Right? They, they already know, but they don't tell us. They, they allow us to think through things so we can learn from it. Because by doing that, then the next time, guess what? I wouldn't even ask them. I already know what they're going to say, and I'm going to choose it already. And that's what they want. They want us to grow naturally as leaders and, and all of that. And they know my career um, goal is to become an engineering manager. So they're pretty much prepping me to become that by allowing me to be me and allowing me to use my knowledge and my strengths um, and allowing me to like just think things through. I think that's the biggest thing is just not feeding me answers, guiding me, yeah, and putting me in position to succeed, but saying, hey, like, what do you think of this, right? My, my skip always says that, hey, what do you think we should do? And I tell them what I think we should do, and they're like, okay, good, that's what I thought too. And it's like, oh, okay, like, you're allowing me to shine, but you're allowing me to express what I'm thinking because um, you 
like they under they know where I'm coming from and they want to give me the opportunity to just continue to excel in what I want to become. Thank you, Shashi. Welcome everybody to Tech Commute. If you're not just now joining us, we are talking to Shashi Lowe, senior UX uh, developer and engineer at Microsoft. Uh, we're going to be opening up the question uh, question section uh, for Shashi here shortly. So if you have a question um, for Shashi, please request to speak. We'll see that you are wanting to come up and we will open those doors shortly. Um, but before we do that, I had a quick question too um, to kind of follow up. I, I love this question and I love to bring this up. Um, you're a dad. I'm a dad. There's a parents out there. When yeah. you're when when you are going through your learning, and because I know you're learning all the time, how do you find like a like how do you juggle like a like a work life? Do you have a work life balance, or um, you know, with with such a large career that you have, like how how do you juggle that? I think this is kind of a loaded question for me. Um, I tell you why. There's a whole. Um... <laughs> There's a story behind everything. <laughs> um, I I used to work and freelance at the same time. And so I used to, like, this is probably bad, but I used to work 40 hours and then work another 20 or 30 hours just freelancing. Um, you know, because I have a family, a family of, of six, right? Four kids. And I want to um, support them and stuff. I'm a child of refugee parents that came with nothing, no savings, nothing, right? So I'm having to build everything for my kids and for the kids' kids. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do what I can. Obviously, I still spend time with them and everything as much as I can. But um, the biggest thing is partnership, right, with my wife. I always ensure that, hey, I have this project coming in. It's for this, this amount of time. What do you think? Should we do it or should we not? Right? I don't um, try to make these decisions without her because obviously if you do, I'm be sleeping on the couch. So <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> but, um, but the reason why I feel like today how I can balance all this, be on X, all this stuff, it was because my mind is always busy. Like I'm a busy person. I'm always busy, 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 busy. I'm working, if I'm not working, I'm reading, if I'm not reading, I mean, I don't read a book, I read blogs and stuff. Um, I'm watching, you know, tutorials, um, all that, right? And then if I'm not doing that, I'm volunteering. I volunteer to help um, a, a youth conference every year, to plan a big conference every year. Um, I'm doing all of that. And then when I'm done with work, though, I set time to help my kids with homework, help my wife, and whatever we need. Um, until they go to sleep like unless if I have to or there's a need for me to do additional work at that time then I, I'll you know let my wife know and we could I could do that aside from that I try to separate those things as much as possible this way I can have um, just a good mindset of like you know taking care of my family being there for them I'm not saying I'm the best father but I'm trying to be you know like you just you try your best um but like with the work, like sometimes it does leak, you know, over the eight to five, nine to five. Uh, sometimes it does. But but this the this is the best thing about my managers are they notice when you work too much and they say, hey, um, why don't you just take this day off? Or you know, like why are you working so late? Like do not like do not <laughs> do not work so late. Like like go spend time with your family. It's okay. Like you like this stuff can wait. 
you do not need to work extra for this. And I think that's the best thing about the Microsoft culture. I'm not saying every team is like that, but my team is like that. And they always tell me, like, um, the other day I told them that I was, bur- I was, I was burnt out from <clears throat> all the deadlines we had in the past month. And my manager's like, well, take time off. Like, just take time off. Like, like I take every Friday off or whatever just because I really need to, re- you know, re- rehydrate and regenerate. Burnout is real. And I was like, yeah, I'm already planning to take uh, the whole week of November, uh, Thanksgiving off and the whole week of Christmas off and, you know, and more. And they're like, okay, good. Like, other companies I've been to, they're like, oh, don't take it off. Like, no, wait, where are you going? Like, you got to finish this before you go. But they're like, no, don't worry about it. Like, we'll just push the deadline. Like, it's okay. We'll just tell them that, you know, we're, we've got some things going on and we can do that. So the work-life balance it, it has been a struggle like throughout my whole career. It's very, very difficult. But again, going back to my story is I've always been a busybody, busy person. So um, when things get rough or tough or when things when, when stuff hits the fan, like it doesn't shake me because I'm used to it. I'm used to the the speed of things and 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 you know critically thinking of a solution quickly because I've been through these scenarios so many times uh, on the day job, freelancing with my family, yada, yada, at the conference that I help out. Like, there's so many things that go on. So. I, uh, I, I agree with you. Burnout is, is very real. It seems like Microsoft is at least allowing you to have some tools, and it seems like your management is keeping a watch, which is good. Now, what sort of signs in yourself do you kind of notice when you feel like you might be heading that way? And then how do you circumvent that? Uh, you don't. <laughs> you don't know, man. Um, the, when I found out, I, I, I was, my velocity, like the month previously, was like 150%. Like I was spending a little extra time getting things done, covering for things, getting tickets out. And then when we slowed down, right, when we slowed down, I went from 150 to probably 50 to 25% velocity. And I was like, I don't want to work. <laughs> like, I, I just want to play video games. Or I just want to go for a walk. Like, I, 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 I just don't want to do anything. And I was in denial. I was like, no, 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 no. I got to get my stuff done. And then I could not focus. Like, I was like, oh, this ticket is probably going to take me four hours. Um, just let me go. I'll just go do something. Go do some yard work first, and I'll come back. Like, I didn't feel the full effects until I realized that. I was like, you know what? I think I'm burnt out. Like, I think I'm really burnt out. Like, my velocity has decreased. I felt like my velocity had gone down to 100%. But until I really f- looked at myself and I was like, you know what? I'm not 100%. I'm probably at 25, 30%. Um, I need to take time off. I need to do something to, you know, get my energy back because I'm not motivated right now. And, you know, unmotivation, like, I'd rather somebody take time off to uh, regenerate, rehydrate, and come back 100% than continue to go at 20, 25%. That is definitely a fair assessment. And obviously everybody kind of handles it different ways. I think for me also personally, it's, it's go, go, go. 
And if you continue to go, typically you can keep going, but I think everybody eventually will hit that point of failure, um, which is kind of a scary point. So I think it's good when you hit it, but you do, your, your whole body's just exhausted. Like you said, you go from 150 to 20 or 30%. It's a big change. Um, anybody that wants to come up, let's, uh, we'll take some speakers now. If you want to ask questions to Shashi and, uh, while we're waiting for a couple people to come up and get them approved, uh, Shashi, what video games you playing, man? Uh, I'm currently playing Valorant on the PC. Um, somebody got me addicted to it. Well, I used to play Counter-Strike and I used to compete online and I was like, you know what? This seems pretty similar. And I was like, I'm going to blame you guys because once I got in, I was like, I'm going to blame you guys because when I play, I'm going to get addicted. And I did. <laughs> so so now that's all I play. So PC over console, have you always been a PC guy? I've been a PC person. Console, I the controls are difficult for me. But I was I used to be really good at GoldenEye on the N64. RCP90 yeah. for life. Oh, yeah, that is a quintessential N64 game. And as far as, like, first person with the four-player at the same time, like the multiplayer action, oh, that was that was epic. All right, well, we're welcoming Sarah to the oh, stage. Oh, anybody but Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just here to say thank you so much for your um, very um, good the good points you made here, but also really Jason invited me up. So I'm going to just say pineapple belongs on pizza. Thank you. Get out of here. And that is immediately how you get kicked out of the space, Sarah. (laughs) Come on now. Well, let's talk, let's talk about that for a second. I'm curious on your stance. Give us your, your um, elevator pitch on why no pineapple on pizza. Cause this is a very hot topic, not tech related. Well, it um, tastes gross on pizza, and it doesn't belong on there. It does. It's it. It, it just you know when you eat it with um, pepperoni and marinara sauce and cheese, it doesn't go. The, the fruit doesn't go on there. It's just nasty. Oh. I got. I, I have to say, I got to know with our listener section right now and our speakers. We're going we're gonna to do a little poll, so get ready to throw some emojis because we want to know. Thumbs up if pineapple on pizza is good. Thumbs down if pineapple on pizza is bad. Just start throwing them. Just start throwing them so I can see, see everybody. Who cares, who cares what you think? Just thumbs up or thumbs down. So I, I need to, I'm looking for the thumbs down. Lo- <laughs> I'm looking for thumbs down so I'm, I can ban them from no, pizza picks. I'm seeing a lot of thumbs up. I, I mean, I thumbs up, I meant. It's like right in the middle. <laughs> All right. Okay. I've seen it. What do you guys think? All right. All right. Well, I see Eric is not getting an invite to Pizza Picks. Sarah. Uh, oh, uh, we've got Evan down there. No Pizza Picks invites because of a thumbs up. All right. Anyway, welcome. Uh, oh, where'd Clark go? He was just here. Clark's here. Oh, there Clark's he is. Here. Sorry. No, I know. I didn't scroll all the way up. That's my bad. Welcome to the stage, Clark. Good to see you. Good to see you all. Um, Sashi, I'm gonna have to uh, I'm gonna have to ask a little harder questions for uh, for you here. All right. Um, UX UI. You're working for one of the largest companies in the world. As somebody who worked there for ten years, um, I understand intimately the kind of organized anarchy and chaos that uh, 
exists in that place. And it's quite amazing what can get done. I'm really curious. Um, what the hell do you do? Um, and how do you, um, or do you get to interact with kind of the end users? Because uh, UX is a, um, a difficult thing. Um, I, I can remember a, a manager at Microsoft telling me way back in the day that sometimes mistakes become features and you can't just undo them because you end up affecting potentially millions and millions of people. Um, and then you end up having to work around that, even though there was a better way. Um, so I'm curious, like concretely, what is it that, that you do um, from a UX UI perspective? Yeah, th these are great questions, Clark. Uh, the first one, um, what do I do as a UX UI engineer at Microsoft and amongst my team? Uh, first off, my team, I work for the Microsoft Pricing Experience team. Uh, if you go to Azure, what is it, Microsoft.com, what is it? Oh, boy, they're going to kill me for this. Um, if you go to Microsoft.com slash pricing, or is it? azure.microsoft.com slash pricing slash calculator. There's an app there to estimate the cost of your products for the Azure portal. Um, this could be virtual machines, storage, anything like that. We work with 150 plus different teams with 150 different calculations and all that, right? So yeah, like we, we, we work with so many things and um, pretty much what I do from the day-to-day -day process is I work with my project managers to ensure that this calculator is running and to ensure that when we add new products or new services that we're implementing them correctly, um, not just from a UX standpoint, from a pricing standpoint. And that's the biggest thing because there's customers that will come back to us and say, hey, I was estimated $100 less than my bill. I want a refund. Right. Obviously, that's a small case. There's some that are thousands and thousands of dollars, and, and we have to give it back because we showed the wrong price. Right. And so we have to ensure that the accuracy of what we are implementing is true to what it's supposed to be at. And on the other question is, do I work directly with customers? No, I don't. Um, our customer support team does. But do I get tickets from customers directly? Yes. <laughs> they call it, they're called ICMs and they're on-call tickets. When you're on-call, you will receive these tickets either from the customer or from a customer rep that will file the ticket. And then you have to go and investigate these tickets. And sometimes if they're customer impacting to you know, a lot of customers, you will have to be on call and go on a call with several other team members to figure out the solution and to get it up quickly. Um, and that has been kind of the process of um, what I've been doing is just ensuring that whatever we implement is accurately implemented. And I also do a lot of code reviews to ensure that the logic that we have in place is accurately there. And also, you know, we have unit tests that covers that because at any time, I've, we've seen a few incidents that come through uh, on-call tickets where it was a regression, right? We didn't have ample uh, unit testing in place. So that means that 
until we get ample, uh, you know, adequate unit testing in place, we have to code review a little bit closer and ensure that what we're doing and implementing is going to be what the customer or what the uh, stakeholders were looking for. And that's been kind of the process. And again, like we work with 150 plus different teams and it's like, it's not, not consistent. So the, the collaboration and the chemistry there, it takes time to kind of build Great, great answer. Good question, too, Clark. Thanks for coming up and asking that. Um, Eric, good to see you. You got a question for Shashi? Hey, gentlemen. Yeah, thanks for hosting your awesome spaces. Um, Shashi, I have a question that um, first I want to say, like, thank you for sharing your story, especially about burnout, because that's something I experienced in a previous career. And I think that's like huge to be transparent about. It takes courage sometimes to admit that like we take on too much and we've got to reconsider our approach um and i'm i'm a lot more mindful because of my own experience with burnout so yeah thank you but i have a question regarding like the 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 trope it's kind of a trope i mean you mentioned it right like developers can tend to suck at design uh, i definitely think that as a developer I suck at design, but I also am conscientious of the fact that I want to improve it. And there's some things I've done recently to like try and improve my design chops um, outside of like going to an art school. And I'm just wondering your take, like besides an art school de degree, like what are some like, what's your top three resources or suggestions for folks that want to improve their design chops? Those are that's a great question, Eric, and I think this is vital, right? It is <clears throat> number one is understanding that you want to improve it, because to be honest, not many developers even want to improve that skill. They're like, ah, whatever, it looks good. <laughs> they just move forward a fit. Um, number one, okay, is if you can work with a picky designer and allow them to review your work. Why they will pick at your implementation to the pixel and that will drive you nuts but that will also allow you to learn how like how much details you're missing in your implementation um that this is probably the best way for me was the best way for me to get more detail of my implementations was to work with several picky designers that picked at everything it was annoying but you know what, today, like, I'm the one that's annoying if I pick you with it because I understand that when the designer designs something, that's their work, right? They, they've taken so many hours just to research and come up with this design that they want it done correctly. And if it doesn't look well or function well or, you know, feel well, then it never came to life. And it's our job as implementers to bring that to life accurately. Number two... I would say is um, if you can, if you don't have a designer, then have an experienced person review your work, right? Because even then they can pinpoint some things that are not working well or things that can improve because again, you know, the, the feedback is something that's, you, you, you know, you really need to 
receive to understand if you're going to do anything well with the design. Because the design is so visual that it's hard for us to kind of see the details. Um, until somebody points it out, we think that it's just fine, right? It's just fine. Um, a third one I'd say is, again, like what we talked about earlier is just to build, to fail, and to learn. The, kid, the more you do it, the more you'll get better at it. And the more somebody is able to point out things that you're doing incorrectly, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's to the pixel, you're going to identify that later and be like, hey, you know what? I already know this is a little off. I'm going to double check you know, the, the Figma file or whatever it is, and I'm going to see if it's correct. And by doing that, then you're not only saving um, time from reviews from whoever's reviewing it, you're also conscious that you know, I want to implement this at a pixel perfect level. Thank you so much. Love that, Shashi. Thank you. And Eric, thanks for coming up. We appreciate that question. Great question. Um, I got a quick one, too. Uh, you work at Microsoft. You, you're doing the work. You're doing the hard work. You're doing all these things for work. Is there anything that you do, like, personally for yourself or have any ideas, like, that you still want to work on or cool things that, you know, that have to do with UX design or anything else with development that you are working on or thinking about working on? Yeah, great prompt right there. I am working on a YouTube series called Developer 101. Um, it's not particularly focused on UX, but it's focused on when a developer gets a job, what's next, what to expect, right? There are things that are not really talked about a lot, like time boxing, like a process. How do you communicate with several different um, key members or different departments, like things like that. And then also I've been wanting to create a UX engineering channel or library of videos um, that just goes over things like how to implement a design um, with the you know, corporate process or how to do user research, right? Or how to conduct user research. What, what's the benefit of that? And one thing that I'm wanting to do for next year or maybe more than that is just do more public speaking. Clark has, you know, graciously given me the opportunity to speak at that conference. And I'm, I'm going, my, my topic is data-driven UX, wait, data-driven UX decisions. Um, and it's going to be a cool, you know, cool talk and all that stuff because we're going to use data to justify UX decisions and all of that. So there's a lot of things that I want to do and there's no, not enough time in the world, but those are some things that are coming up. And unfortunately, not a lot of time left in the space today because I feel like I really want to deep dive some of those projects and just pick your brain and get some more questions. I, I did have one question, speaking of your, your videos that you're going to be making. Um, do you have any tips? Because it does seem like it is catered to maybe like junior devs or people that are just coming into the industry. Do you have any tips that you could highlight for maybe some people in the room that are, are looking? Um, Give us kind of a, a highlight reel of maybe what you're you're thinking of doing with that. Um, with the with the videos themselves, or just is that what we're looking for, Jason? Yeah, yeah. With with the videos, I mean, I guess again, coming from somebody that has multiple years' experience mm -hmm. in the industry, some tips that they would see in some of this content that you're going to oh, be gotcha, creating. Gotcha. Um, some things that you will see are kind of things that um, you'll experience uh, within the first five years of 
your career are like um, the one of the biggest things that I've seen even today is asking a question, right? We feel that when we're hired, we should be a superhero and come in, get everything done and ask no questions and um, just do it perfectly, right? That's incorrect because we know your inexperience. You're coming in so that we can teach you. We don't know what you don't know. You need to tell us. Otherwise, when the result comes and it's completely wrong, we're going to be like, hey, what, what happened here? You're going to be like, oh, I thought it was this. Well, don't assume, right? Uh, uh, try it first. I always tell um, um, juniors, like, you need to try it first. Of course, you need to try it first. That's where time boxing comes, right? Time boxing is a concept where, let's say you give yourself an hour. You say, okay, within an hour, if I can't figure this out, I'm going to go ask Shashi um, and, and tell him what I've done and then tell him what I need help with. By doing that, it excels your, um, your process of learning because I'm not feeding you the answer. You did the work. It's just that we don't have a lot of time, so don't waste your time and then get to that point and then I will guide you to an answer or guide you to a solution that may work. This kind of shortcuts uh, the process of learning and all that stuff. I'm not saying ask questions all the time. Gather all your questions and then ask them in an appropriate time because um, it's going to matter. But there's a lot of other things in, you know, like I want to bring up too, um, like I was saying, the process, right? A lot of us that build on our own, we have our own process. We just build it and get it up, get it running, get it going, all this stuff. Well, when you work with a team, it's completely different. You have, you know, your repositories, you have feature branches, you have a process where there's reviews, that goes up to staging, like there's, there's so much involved that you're going to get lost in all of that. Like, I think many people think, oh, we're just going to go in and code. No, 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 no. Like, that's probably only 25, 30% of your day is coding. The rest of it is process, communication, understanding, learning, and, and all of that. Um, there's so much more to being a developer day-to-day -day than just coding. I think transparency, which you brought up, is is so wildly important. Just disclosing that and great communication just across the board, which these are a lot of things that just really help you in life in general, not just tech. Yeah. Um, great, great points. I think we brought Ahmed up. This will be the last question we're taking, and then we're, uh, we're going to wrap up because I am almost home. We got to get Shashi back out to play some video games and or maybe see his family oh boy <laughs> oh yeah ahmed go ahead nice to uh see you uh okay you can hear me now we hear you great uh okay i have one question for shashi um uh do you collaborate with backend developers uh and if so how do you collaborate with backend developers to ensure uh, that user experience aligns seamlessly with the performance and data requirements uh, of microsoft software products yeah, I mean, that's a great question. Um, I know we've been talking about designers and project managers, but not backend developers because they are different people. I love my backend people. I always blame them for all my mistakes. Thank you. But, <laughs> but yes, um, when we're working with the, a feature, right, most of the time it, it deals with backend changes and frontend changes. And sometimes the backend will do some frontend work. Or if not, we always have to collaborate and work together. Um, so when, the, when these situations come and I see like a pull request or they ask me questions, I always sit down with them. 
my number one goal is this, okay? My number one goal is not to just give them the answer and fix it for them. My number one goal is to help educate them. Because if I can educate them and teach them a little bit about um, implementing or the code base on the front end, um, then the next time they will learn from it and they will keep moving forward. Um, I'm not a big um, believer in full stack development. Yes, you can still do it. But my mentality is that you're always leaning back end or front end. If you do both, you're always going to lean one way. Always. Um, specialize in that. It's okay to do both, but specialize in one or the other. You can't do both. It's, there's too much things to learn um, to be very, very good at both. Um, but so my thing is always like when it, it comes down to it, I always try to educate them on, hey, like here is how our front end works and this is how the component library works or whatnot. Um, you know, let me help you get there. And then next time, hopefully, like you can understand that and learn from there. I know there's a lot of other um, developers that don't do that where they're like, hey, like this is wrong. Just give it to me. I'll just do it for you. Like let's save some time. I'll just do it. You know, for me, unless if it's like an on-call ticket where it's like, yeah, I'll just take it because I'll get it done sooner than you can. And But next time, I'll, I'll teach you how to do it. I'm a big like believer in teaching and coaching um, because once I could teach you how to fish, then you can fish on your own, right? Oh, so good. Ahmed, did that answer your question, my friend? Uh, yeah, be really, thank you. And thank you for coming up. We appreciate it. We appreciate questions. And everybody else that came up and, and, and uh, asked Shashi a question, we hope you got value from that. I sure learned a lot. I'm excited to continue to watch Shashi's journey and, and definitely get it on that YouTube uh, action when you do it. Hey, if you found value today, push on Shashi's little face, that little Are you there, Jacob? I think we lost him. Oh my he god. Said, oh, he said push on my face and then <laughs> Oh, there he is. Yeah, put, push on his <laughs> face. Ended, okay, it, go it, ahead. It said push on my face and then it ended. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I was holding my phone. Um yes, push on Shashi's face and push follow. Um, because he's got great content. Also, he's got I'm I'm seeing Timo putting his thumbs down. You guys can hear me, right? Okay, cool. So um, yeah, he's got great content, and his food picks are amazing. They get me hungry when I'm surfing the X, so keep that up. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to the future content that you're going to make. Um, also, if you just found content, uh, sorry, if you found the space valuable, don't forget to give Shashi a follow. Don't forget to give all the speakers a follow. If you did, we do this Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays once again. Uh, next week, we got some special guests coming, so we're, we're going to drop those announcements very soon on who's going to be here next week. But next show is going to be Friday with Friday Wind, so don't forget, we're going to be doing that at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time, 11.30 Eastern Standard Time. Come bring your wins. Come bring your accomplishments for the week. We want to celebrate that, uh, spread it through the community, and go into the weekend with some good vibes. Thanks to everyone that joined in today and listened. We appreciate you guys spending your time and sharing your time with us to help uh, learn and grow as a community. We really appreciate that. And the biggest thanks to Shashi for uh, spending your family time 
uh, in home time with us to um, to help answer some questions and, and, and to help the community out a little bit more. Um, yeah, it, um, yeah, we'll do that. And then, uh, Shashi, go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to mention something that um, I'm building that's uh, really cool. Um, I have a Discord group. Uh, Adam in here, Edward, Carlos. Um, I found that there was a gap for people that were career switching and boot campers that couldn't find a job. Um, I wanted to create like a little cohort for them to build a project with a corporate process. Um, everything from planning to building to code reviews from myself and other uh, Google and Airbnb engineers to learn directly from us. I was, I'm hoping that this will give them like real world experience to set them up that to set them up to be different from the other candidates. Because I'm seeing already that the experience has been really good for them. It's it's draining sometimes, but um, they're learning a lot and we haven't built yet. We've just been planning and it's been eye-opening for them to just even think about the planning phase of a project. Um, like deep diving, understanding why, right? Under why we're picking these topics, all that stuff. Um, so look out for that. We're going to be um, putting it on Twitter Spaces, YouTube, live streaming that, and and sharing what we're building and learning uh, along the way. And I'm hoping that this will set them up to find a job soon because there's so many people looking for jobs nowadays. And there's what 100 to 300, whatever, 500 people applying for a job. How are you going to set yourself apart, right? I'm hoping that this process will help them set themselves apart and give them exposure to that. That's awesome. And the Discord is not created yet, correct? So you don't have a link you can uh, post for us? The Discord is created. It's private. It's invite only. Sorry. <laughs> cool. Cool story, bro. Um, well, anyway, I guess we will not be posting that. But you guys can for sure follow Shashi get all of this content that he's putting out, follow his journey, follow the information he's spreading and helping he's building community and helping people get into tech, which I think is really a noble effort giving back to the community. Um, Shashi, one last question. What does success look like for you? Success for myself is my kids for them to be happy, for them to find success on their own. Success for my community is so that everybody can break into tech. I love that. I knew what your answer was to what you would tell your 18 year old self, but now that you you're already there and obviously you can't change time, I wanted to see what, what you thought success looked like for you in the future. And I think that that, is certainly on the horizon for you based on your trajectory. I absolutely loved you being here. You were a delight to talk to. What, um, what can we, how can we listen to you next? What's next for you where we can find content from you? Do you have a video coming out soon? You're in another space. You're speaking soon. You did talk about that conference as well, which is not till January. Yeah. I'm speaking at that, that conference in January, which is in Austin, Texas in person. Um, I have been trying for the last eight months to release my YouTube videos and it's still not recording. So <laughs> it's coming. I promise you it's coming. Uh, it's coming. Uh, other than that, I'm going to start doing um, either weekly or bi-weekly 
Twitter spaces with my Discord group that's building the Football Survivor application. We will be doing pretty much our stand-ups and doing sprint, de- uh, sprint demos of what we're building uh, on there and potentially could be uh, just talking to them and having them share their experience and all of that to gain some exposure. But um, hopefully that um, you know this goes well. But also at the same time, you know, I been wanting to do more twitter spaces um just about topics about like front end css we did a css one last time um had some cool people on there uh really good just to talk about uh those topics with all this uh javascript drama happening you know like let's talk about css why not you know that's what i like to hear well again thank you so much for being here appreciate everybody in the listener section coming through let's give flowers to shashi hit those claps send him off on his merry way to enjoy the rest of his day with his family or his work or whatever, however he chooses to. It's his life, guys. Don't boss him around. Um, good to see you. We'll see you Friday, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the wins. This was the Tech Commute. And remember, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to keep pineapple off of your goddamn pizza. Good night, everybody. <laughs>